Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the 70 Forecast. Matt, Wes, and Corey here with you guys. Uh, recording this on Sunday night, the Panthers just wrapped up their week two preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens last night in a 20 to 3 loss. We'll recap that for you guys and look at some news and notes around the league. We also have a possible Panthers extension that we talked about last week. Corey actually nailed it. Um, last night, Joe Person reported that it looks like it's going to be Robbie Anderson. Um, and the Panthers trying to lock up a, an extension to try to keep him here in Carolina for the foreseeable future. So we'll touch on all of those. Um, but to get started, guys, how are you? Doing well. Doing well uh, this Sunday night. Still have six more days of quarantine to go. Um, but I'm feeling good. So everything's trending upwards. And i uh, got a lot of time on my hands this next week. So going to take advantage of some NFL uh, game pass and kick back. Yeah, uh, I'm feeling good. I was at a wedding Saturday night when the Panthers were playing, so I didn't watch it live. And when I saw the scores and the stats, I was not excited to uh, <laughs> do my my rewatch of of it or, or the, the, the watch back. And it, it was – not quite as ugly as the score looked. Still some things to take away from it. So excited to talk about it. Excited to uh, take a look at it. Yeah, I had a last-minute fantasy football draft that I wasn't planning on being in, but I got an invite like 4.30. The draft was at 6. Ended up having to watch the first half off of a phone sitting in the back of a chair. Um, so that wasn't ideal, obviously. But 20 to 3, uh, we'll, we'll break it down here shortly. So – Let's, uh, let's look at some news notes from around the league. Uh, a lot going on this week. Um, you know, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are coming back from their injuries. Um, and Ryan Kelly is going to be joining them this week. Looks like they're going to be running, returning back to practice. Uh, in the uh, game last night, Ravens linebacker LJ Fort tore his ACL. So he's going to be out for the season. Uh, we got a couple more things. Corey, won't you, uh, or excuse me, Wes, why don't you take uh, the next two and tell us about uh, an injury down there in Atlanta? Uh, Falcons quarterback AJ McCarron had a significant right knee injury. Um, I haven't paid enough att much attention. I'm not sure if he was slated to be their backup. Um, and the Giants have been fielding a lot of calls on their kick backup kicker, Ryan Santoso. Um, and that's kind of noteworthy to us because I think we're going to be in on a lot of uh, possible kicker competition calls. So just something to watch there. And, and I think we'll see more of that throughout the year. Yeah, we'll be talking about that kicker note there as well. Um, I mean, we've been pounding it over and over again, but 
we will we'll address that here in a little bit. Yeah, and then you've got our old pal Teddy Bridgewater out there in Denver. Um, I'm not gonna lie, guys, he looked good last night. Um, he had a good little game, 16 of 19 for 179 yards, two touchdowns. Um, it was what they deemed, you know, the the last kind of litmus test um, before the third preseason game and, and naming a full blown starter. Um, I did watch the game. I had money on it. Um, because I'm a degenerate who bets on preseason football games. Um, but uh, it will say you have to take it with a grain of salt. The Seattle barely played. I don't think Seattle played, but maybe one or two starters um, on offense or defense. Um, and Denver's entire starting offensive line, their entire starting offense is out there. Um, Teddy looked, he looked good. He looked, you know, on par for good Teddy last year. Um, he hit some intermediate stuff. He had a nice little 17 yard, you know, dig to, to Jerry Judy on a third down where he climbed the pocket, but, um, it's the same Teddy. Uh, I think, uh, you know, he's just got a really, really good offensive line in Denver now. So, um, and again, kind of helps when you're going against third and fourth string guys who probably won't be on the Seahawks roster on a defense that wasn't too great last year anyway. So take that for what you will. Yeah, and last little note here, um, looking ahead to our week one opponent. Uh, news came out after the Carl Lawson injury that the Jets are going to be looking to add a uh, potential pass rusher. So something to keep an eye on. Some, I don't know if any names really out there, but interesting to see what they do and see what the Panthers have to look forward to when week one rolls around. Switching gears a little bit, um, looks like uh, Robbie Anderson and the Panthers are in talks, according to Joe Person of The Athletic. Um, I don't know what money looks like. We talked about some ideas earlier, probably looking in my mind, probably a three-year extension. So he would be in uh, under contract for another four years. Uh, I, I personally think you're probably looking somewhere in the $40 million range, something similar to Curtis Samuel. I know that's something that we talked about. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on what the money looks like? And do you think this has anything to do with uh, a possible DJ Moore extension? Or are they just trying to lock up both these guys long-term and hopefully uh, Sam follows that if all goes as planned? I think the absolute cap is that Curtis Samuel deal. I, I would be surprised if it got to that basically what 11 and a half AAV. Um, he's at 10 now. He's not as young as Curtis. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if the extension itself was on slightly under that 10 and he comes in around total f- somewhere between 435 and 440 in- in- in included, including bonus, any, any signing bonus or anything like that. Um, so that's kind of the money I'm, I'm looking at. What about you, Corey? I think that you guys are being really optimistic with the money. Um, I think that more people probably nationally or, or maybe even with inside the building with the news that it is Robbie that they're looking at extending, maybe you do possibly view him more as, a, more as the number one than maybe we thought. Um, I remember when we were talking about him versus DJ in terms of the number one, we talked about his yardage. Um, I don't have it right in front of me, but I believe he had just over, what, twelve or 1,100 yards last year. Um, and you look at a guy like Robert Woods, who, you know, has more touchdowns, obviously he's a touchdown maker, but, you know, he's in the 800s and 900s of yards. I know yards doesn't make you the number one wide receiver, but, you know, Robert Woods is making $16 million a year. So I, I just think that in more of a receiver role, I think he's 
he's more than I understand that Curtis is a gadget player and I love Curtis and I'm wanting to keep Curtis around, but I just, I think the opt the, that money that you guys are talking about is really optimistic. And I hope that that's what we get to keep Robbie for the next three years for, but I think he might be thinking he wants more. And for me, I can't determine if Robbie is out for more money or if he's out for more long-term security, if he wants a home here, if he wants to be here for, for the foreseeable future. So um, I like the contract that you guys are talking about. Um, I'm just not so sure that it's what it's going to be. Um, it, it, it could possibly end up being more. And um, I'm not sure how I feel about it at the moment. I'd have, I just have to wait and see because, you know, I don't want it to mess up DJ's contract. I don't think it's going to matter um, one way or another with the uh, cap space we have open up next year. Uh, I think that we're going to end up, keeping both if we sign Robbie I think we're going to keep both because I just don't see a way that you let DJ walk unless he's just absolutely falls off the face of the earth this year well so there's a real scenario where DJ is a panther for three more seasons without even extension here and and that's that's most of whatever deal you're going to give Robbie here anyway if you extend Robbie for three more years that's that would only be one more year of overlap so it may not um, have any factor, um, but you're also looking at at probably pissing off DJ if you give him that that franchise tag, and that's the scenario I'm talking about. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that that is a scenario where DJ plays this year on his small number. I think he's at 11 mil next year cap hit, and then it would probably be somewhere in the 16, 18 million dollar range for a franchise, uh, depending on what receiver contracts look like between now and then to franchise him. So I think it doesn't take the DJ extension fully off the table, but I think it makes it less likely. Um, It tells me that they probably would be okay with running Terrace and Robbie and piecing the rest of it together after that, if DJ does walk. Um, it, it, that tells me that, that they're, they're comfortable with building around Robbie and Terrace. Listen, listen, listen at the money for guys like, and these, I mean, I'm not saying that Robbie is these are, is as good as, or better than these guys, but you got Robert, Robert Woods, like I said, making 16, 25 a year, Tyler Lockett. I know he just signed a big deal in Seattle. He's making 17 to 17, 17, two. Um, I mean, Godwin makes 15.9. That's uh, on the franchise. Yeah, Cooper Cup's 15.70, 15.75. I mean, Jarvis Landry's 15. I mean, you know, those are some names that, I mean, I don't see too much of a difference in Robbie other than, again, touchdowns, but I think that's system-based and stuff like that. So I just – I could definitely see a scenario where Robbie wants more. Yeah. Uh, Robert Robert Woods is a, is a good comparison because before Woods had a payday, obviously he was in Buffalo and it was a different situation. But his first year in LA, he had 56 catches for 700 yards and he only had five touchdowns. Um, yeah. Then he exploded for you know getting more targets. So uh, 86 catches for 1,200 yards, six touchdowns. 90 catches for 1,100 yards, two touchdowns. And then last year was. 936 for six touchdowns. If you look at those numbers compared to Robbie up until last year, they're probably pretty spot on. So I think Robert Woods is a good comparison because Robbie prior to his last year here in Carolina, he was looking at 42 for 587, 63 for 941. 
50 for 752, 52 for 779, and then last year they're making the big jump of 95 uh, for 1,096. So, yeah, the touchdowns were down. He only had three last year, but uh, five, six, seven, and two the years prior to that, and that kind of matches up well with uh, Robert Woods' history also. So I think that that's kind of a, a number to match and a contract to, to watch. Um, just the numbers are pretty much spot on. And if Robbie comes back, well, I think maybe that's maybe Fitter is trying to be aggressive. And what we talked about on last week's episode, where we're trying to negotiate these contracts from a standpoint of power, because if Robbie goes out there and, and, you know, has a season that we want him to have where he has another thousand yard season and the touchdowns do come up, you know, the, even the six touchdown range, you know, Robbie's going to have the, the, the power because I mean, this is the last year of his contract and then we're overpaying for a guy that we could have locked up a deal sooner and that's you know the Marty Herney thing where he never wanted to get those do- deals done. So I mean, and you're, I mean, and you're looking at that problem with with positive touchdown regression with DJ and Robbie both. You know, I mean, hell, <laughs> if you know DJ gets eight touchdowns this year, that's he's already doubled what is produced last year, and the same goes for Robbie. So I'm just again, I'm glad that we're extending players early. Uh, I'm just, I'm really interested to see this money. And I think that it's fitter magic. If, if we get those Curtis numbers, I think in my opinion, more realistically, you're looking at a guy like Bobby trees numbers. So, I mean, that's just me, but I hope, I hope it's, I hope it's good for the team. And honestly, like I said, we've got a lot of cap space opening up next year. So I'm not really sweating it. We, we, we're probably about to see some guys get overpaid, but sometimes you have to overpay to keep, keep your guys. And if it's the right guys, I'm fine with it. And I really like Robbie. So, Yeah, it's the, I mean, we're the youngest team in the National Football League. You're going to have to spend that cap space on retaining those guys and growing that talent and building that culture that we talked about. So, you know, anybody upset that you're going to see these extensions and likely, like you mentioned, Corey, like these guys getting overpaid. Well, it's, it's a part of the game. You have to keep those guys here um, and you're not going to necessarily get a hometown discount on everybody. You know, what's the point in having cap space if you're not going to keep the guys here uh, that you've grown and you've uh, developed yourself? Yeah. And as far as extensions with the two, I think the Robbie extension, I don't want to say safer, but it's going to be lower low enough that you'll be able to stomach it versus what a DJ extension probably looks like, unfortunately. Um, and if you, cause I think for me to be worth the contract, he's going to want, I'm going to need to see that touchdown, that positive touchdown difference from, from DJ. And I'm not sold that we're going to see it. Um, I know there are a lot of people that disagree with me. The DJ is worth the money, the, the back-to-back thousands with different quarterbacks, whatever you want to, whatever you want to tell me. I, I, I think that Robbie, will be a better contract than what with the DJ extension would look like. So I, for that reason, I actually am kind of happy. It's, it is Robbie. Think about well, it. I, when I saw that drop, I was number one shocked because I was, I was extremely happy. I, I love Robbie. I liked Robbie when he was with the Jets and I loved that when we brought him here. So, you know, I think he's an awesome dude. I think he's a great teammate. I think, you know, you can take that little OTA BS, you know, for whatever, but, uh, all accounts, he's a he's a good dude, man. So, uh, and he's an entertaining guy to watch, off the field and definitely on the field. So, do we do we think that was his agent just posturing for contract stuff, that that OTA stuff? 
or I mean, but Robbie is a weird dude to begin with, but yeah. And he was fine with just working out by himself, COVID going on, you know, you got to do what's best for you. I, I get it. So he was much rather happy. I mean, spending time down in Florida and getting his work in and talking to the guys. I mean, it is what it is, but I, I'm happy that we're trying to lock up the number two receiver on this team because think about for how many years we didn't have one and we were trying to go bargain shopping and uh, doing all these reclamation projects. You know, Philly Brown was our number two receiver there for the longest time and he was an undrafted free agent and after, he hasn't been in the league since we let him go. I mean, you know, Philly had his issues, but I mean, he was like pretty solid for us, but he's not a number two receiver in the National Football League, not on a competitive team. And then you look at Ted Ginn. I mean, yeah. It worked in 13, got his career back on track. He went and chased the money, came back here at 15. It worked out even better, and then he did the same thing. But to, you don't want Ted Ginn on your team being the number two receiver. So now you can actually have a chance of having about you know 2,000-yard receivers on this team and locking these guys up that Sam has a good uh, you know rapport with. It's just – I mean, I, I'm, I'm for it. I'm interested to see what the money looks like. Um you know, it's probably not going to break the bank, but we have this cap space and you're going to have to use it. And then we'll lock up DJ hopefully soon thereafter in the coming years. I don't know. I mean, I'm under the impression that the, that the other extension is either Dante or uh, Burns, you know, and I, I don't know what your guys thoughts are on that, but uh, I, I, we're guessing that the Robbie one was the one that's closer and maybe Burns is the one that they're a part on. I, I don't know. Or maybe Dante. I, I don't, with Robbie being the one they're about to finish up, I don't think a DJ one's in would be anywhere close just just on the the fact that you're probably trying to work on that defensive side and extend one of those young guys that'd be my guess yeah i i find it as much as i would like absolutely just kiss the ground that fitter walked on if he went ahead and extended brian burns um i don't think that that's gonna happen i think brian burns is smart his brother played in the nfl so he knows Hey, bet on yourself. Go out there, do your thing this year, and you're going to get paid, paid. Um, not just paid. You're going to get paid, paid. Uh, so uh, I want to hope it's – I mean, and then Dante. I mean, if you can extend Dante – and Dante is a guy who I think should take a team-friendly deal because uh, he hasn't shown that he can, you know, stay healthy um, for an entire year consistently. Um, and the play has – you know, trended upwards, but he still hasn't put together that, you know, that full year of, of, of really good positive tape. So that's a guy that you can get uh, an extension on a team-friendly deal um, and make the money make sense for, for the team uh, and for him for, you know, sh to show, give him a sign of good faith that, hey, we believe in you. We're going to give you this extension. We know what you can be. Now you just got to go be it. So that's, that's what I'm hoping. I like Dante and I'd like to keep him around too, because I do think that kid can, can ball he just he has to stay healthy and he has to keep his his head on the, so. and the corner class next year is I, I, I took a look ahead of that it's pretty weak so if Dante were to go and ball out bringing him back could get pretty pricey for teams that are that are gonna gonna go try and get a a decent corner because looking at it he had a chance to be a top top three or four corner on the free agent market going into next season if he does what we think he can do across from JC with this good defensive line. So Scott Fitter has just done a great job since he's taken over here. I mean, let's just see. He wrapped up Taylor Moten deal before the deadline. He's, I mean, we talked about the draft and how very well managed and executed the game plan going into it. It's actually nice to see, you know, a, a general manager have a plan going into a draft and accumulating future assets. 
So not only this year, but also in the future. And then if he locks up Robbie on, you know, what we think is going to be probably a, a reasonable deal. Um, I mean, it, I mean, couldn't ask for a better start. I mean, this is, these are things that Marty Herney and the previous regime just did not do. And just, we failed to operate from a position of power. You know, it's nice to see. It was huh. nice. It's nice to see mid round and late round picks making plays like that is just something that I mean when you've got a guy like Keith Taylor out there making plays and looking like he belongs out there I mean that's just I can't even like I'm not used to that and and another example (laughs) we we just traded a second round pick for a seventh round pick a former second round pick for a seventh round pick right our second round pick is out there looking like he he's a he's gonna be one of if not the best rookie receivers in this class right now like that's but greg little is the previous regime regime's type of second round pick that we just shipped off for essentially nothing the last one the the last what fifth rounder that was productive was i mean okay let me just point to josh norman Uh, you know josh norman you know had some concerns he was a little bit older coming out of college uh he was taken in the fifth round and he sat three years. I mean, what would make plays in preseason. So when given the opportunity, I know me and Corey always used to talk about Josh. I mean, the film didn't lie. I mean, the play stood out, especially at a position that we were so weak at and we needed that guy. I mean, we're starting Melvin White um, over and over. Here, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but, You're going to get us down a wormhole. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to digress on this, but – this is uh, th- those are things that that were a rarity for us. I mean, Greg Hardy was taken in the sixth round. I mean, so it, it, few and far between. And I know that that's not supposed to be where you're relying on starters for the league, but you're also wanting to build depth going forward and and having those guys you know produce. And we just didn't. We were we were drafting guys that we were cutting in camp. So, I mean, it's just a breath of fresh air. We're drafting guys in the third round like Rashawn Golden, who my brother can run faster than. So, Edmund Cugbilla. I mean, we can go on and on, but you've got fitter on this show. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, let's let's take a look at this Ravens game. <laughs> who we'll, uh, we'll get we'll get back on track. Let's uh let's look at this Ravens game. So Panthers lost twenty to three. Um, let's talk about some standouts. Corey, who who stood out to you yesterday? Um, just overall, who what, what are some takeaways? Well, first things first, that first team defense, man. It, I I don't I can't remember a time. I mean, it's it's been a minute since I've been this excited about what we've had on defense. Um, after, you know, two series, two impacts. I mean, you had Derek Brown get in there, tipping a pass. Hassan Reddick picks it off. And if Hassan Reddick didn't pick it off, J.C. Horn was going to pick it off. You, I mean, it, it was it – was, J.C. Horn was all over his dude um, and was in a great position. I think he's about to make a play on the ball too. Uh, and then the second series, you know, Brian Burns and Morgan Fox just destroying – the left side of the line and then destroying Huntley, uh, you know, knocked his helmet off. And, you know, that's just, that's just awesome to see, you know, if we get, if we're getting that kind of, you know, pressure, if we're getting that kind of making that kind of impact, 
uh, in just two series. It's it's going to be a it's going to be a fun year on that defensive side of the ball. Um, but I mean that's an obvious one. Uh, I think Brady Christensen again through through two games the, the kid's got 55 pass blocking snaps and has allowed zero sacks uh, and I think only two pressures according to PFF. So that's I mean that's what you want to see out of a uh, uh, a a third round tackle that you drafted. So uh, that would be my two for, for, you know, for last night. Uh, I can't, I can't talk about that first team defense enough. And that is going to be a, the difference in us, you know, from where we were last year to where we want to go and where we're going to be this year. I think that defense is going to win us games on its own. Uh, I think it's going to be a huge jump, and, and I'm excited. Yep, I I echo the defense. Um, those the only thing that I did see was the first the, the couple of gashing runs there to start the game. Um, so I'm I'm hoping that's not a, a continuing trend trend from last year of just the run stopping. Um, but overall, the defense looked great, being able to get pressure and. Um, I, I think it's going to be a we've, – we've talked about it. It's going to be a top-10 defense in the league. Um, so, I agree with you on that. Um, Christensen, your note on that, uh, I think he looked good. I, I, it was also noteworthy to me that they moved him into guard there for a little – he was in there after Deontay's false start. So, maybe he's somebody they're, they're trying to find a spot just to get him on the field. They like him that much. I don't, I don't know. Um, even if they think that he's not going to be the right tackle or left tackle, they just want him out there. If that's right guard, I, so be it. Um, we talked a little bit about Will Greer uh, last week, not looking great. He looked good this week. Um, he went 11-14, 144 yard, 144 yards. Um, but I think it's worth noting that last week, PJ got the second, the, the, the starters and the second teamers. Uh, and this week, Will got the starters and second team guys. So that's certainly um, noteworthy. And, and I think if they wanted to showcase Will for a possible trade for a, something small, they did it this week. And then lastly, I, I don't think I can have a podcast without talking about Terrace. Uh, <laughs> so uh, Terrace, again, with a, a great – Great play, great catch. He, he had, what, three for 50? I, I forgot to look at the final stats. Three for 50-some? Yeah, I think it was three for 58. And yeah, think- he, had the, he had the screen pass that went for about 10 or 12, and that, that just – it showed that even though he's a big guy, he's quick. That and that's why nice. I was so happy to see them use, use, mm-hmm. use, use him in that screen game, that quick game. That's yep. awesome. So that was nice, but the, the non-route um, that – two weeks in a row with that nine route, just burning his receiver or burning his, his corner. And that was just, that was a nice play. He's continuing to make mediocre quarterbacks look really good. So. <laughs> and that's that play that nine route too. something positive about Will Greer that again, which is different that we had that we hadn't seen before is uh, I thought last night he impressed me not only with obviously his stat line and just the way he played, but he played and just, and demonstrate really good like rhythm and timing within the offense, which rules Brady have both talked about. They want to be, you know, rhythm and timing offense and that nine route, you know, will just, you know, 
one, two, three, four, boom, out. And it was perfect throw uh, in timing, right on the money to, to Terrace. So that was, you know, just another impressive, just stuff we hadn't seen from Will Greer before. And it was, I was happy for Will. If it's not with us, I do hope the kid gets a shot somewhere else because he does seem like, if you follow, I mean, social media, you have to take with a grain of salt, but if you follow him, you see that the kid's putting in work, obviously, like he's, he's out doing stuff. So, and he seems like a good, good, good kid. So uh, I hope he gets a shot somewhere, even if it's not here. I don't have nothing against him. Yeah. It's nice that you mentioned, um, you know, Will and PJ kind of swapping, um, you know, performances from last week. Greer with 11 14 for 144 and then PJ one for eight for eight yards so not ideal um and the thing I'm not trying to overreact to is we talked about how well the first team defense looked and and you know we mentioned it on previous episodes where run defense last year was a big thing for us and why we got behind so late in games and you know just not being able to get stops and get off the field uh, we, we only gave up eight rushing yards to uh J.K. Dobbins and then obviously that that got out of hand um, when the second and third string units got in there, I mean, we gave up probably 140 yards rushing, I think, overall. I mean, 64 yards to uh, McCrary. Williams put up 10 on 47 – or, excuse me, 47 on 10. Um, Gus Edwards had 28 off of four. Um, so, just I, – I don't think that's anything to do with with the players. Obviously, when the starters are out there, it's a, it's a lot different. Um, but some takeaways from it. This was the first action that we saw from Sam Darnold. I think Sam looked comfortable in his one series. Um, I mean, although it was starting on the 38-yard line, it was still nice to see him feel comfortable in there. Um, he had that nice completion to Robbie. Um, you know, in the in the end zone, or excuse me, in the red zone, when he had his uh, only incompletion, he threw the ball away. But, you know, he had time. I mean, I think they only brought three you know, defenders, and we weren't probably expecting that the Ravens were going to just sit there and drop, you know, that many men into coverage. But he didn't have anything. But it was nice to see him not panic and, you know, just settle in. The things that you want to see, progressions, and talk about footwork and him not panicking. Um, Greer, like I said, was sacked twice. Truba Hubbard looked good. He made it for that drop, the drops that he had last week. Um, had that nice screen pass. Tommy Tremble had a nice reception. Uh, these are, these are all – Twinkle toes down the sideline. <laughs> he was not out. They should have just let it ride. He 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 barely stayed in. That was that was a nice tiptoe. Yeah. The 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 one thing that I don't like, and it's been noted by a few people, but you know, having Colin Thompson in on that um that in the red zone on that opening drive, that just didn't make any sense because he's only had six snaps at, at the fullback position. I mean, you let Alex Warma go, he signed with the Saints in free agency. Um, you draft Tommy Trimble and he got a lot of action last week playing that H back fullback role so I'm not sure why they didn't necessarily have him in there I mean you can rule can say you know whatever he wants to but these are situations that I hope to God are not going to happen week one um you know we were 28th in, in the red zone last year so I mean these are things that you want to see at least some improvement on when it becomes uh the preseason I mean I know that sometimes teams do hold things back and they don't want to open up their playbook and all of this and that but that personnel decision I just I just didn't quite understand yeah, and this is something that I, I was waiting for tonight because, you know, you only have so many characters on Twitter <laughs> to, to be able to explain a point. Um, and, you know, I, I'm not saying that this is what they're thinking. I'm not saying that this isn't what they're thinking. This is just my opinion. So you can take it for what it – you're in the listeners. You guys can take it for whatever you want. 
Um, this is just my personal opinion. As someone who tries to be as level-headed as I can possibly be, as a Panthers fan in the preseason, um, I'm not going to freak out over red zone struggles in preseason week two, okay? I understand that we struggled last year. I understand that it was ugly last year and that we were not necessarily even average in the red zone last year. However, it is preseason week two. They have shown an intense emphasis on red zone work in both of our joint practices with multiple team periods uh, just devoted to red zone work uh, in, in our own team practices and in, in, in these joint practices. And if you listen to the reports coming out of joint practices, we have been successful in red zone team periods against both the Colts and the Ravens in joint practices. What I want to speak to is this sort of contingent of fans on Twitter that are laying this at the feet of Matt Rule, laying this at the feet of Joe Brady, saying that Joe Brady is terrible. He's, you know, he's, he's not worth it to be, to be here because he did the red zone struggles and we're, you know, using preseason, you know, week two and preseason week one as like a referendum on this, on this guy in his second year as an offensive coordinator. Okay. It's the preseason. All right. And preseason is for evaluation. Okay. What better time than when it doesn't count when you have a third and one on the, or, you know, third one to go or a fourth and one to go What better time to look at your team and challenge your offensive line when it doesn't count and say, Hey, this is, you know, mono e mono. This is one versus one. All right. We've got one yard to get here. You motherfuckers go out there, put a hat on a hat and get this one yard. Okay. Show me that you can do it now when it doesn't count so that we know what we have in, in the regular season. All right. That's what the preseason's for. It's for these one-on-one matchups. It's to, you know, see who's going to be, you know, a, a damn war daddy and, you know, drive their guy back instead of getting blown the fuck up like Cam Irving and Elfline <laughs> got blown up. So, um, and then for those fringe guys like Colin Thompson, hey, let's see what you got here. You're, you're, you're fighting to make a roster spot. You're bottom of the roster guy. Let's see if you can put a hat on somebody and, and lead block somebody into the end zone. So I'm not going to freak out about it just yet. And then, like we said, like you said, Matt, it is very vanilla. All right. You don't have Christian McCaffrey out there, who's a huge decoy on plays like that, and who's just a really good goal line back, uh, really good short yards back, despite what some narratives may have because he's small. People don't think he's a short yards back. He's a really good short yards back. And he's really good at getting those, those short yards. If you don't have him out there, you're, you're running very vanilla play calls. There's, there's not a whole lot of misdirection going on. There's not a whole lot of uh, pre-snap motion. There's, there's not a whole lot of that that you're going to use and you're going to see in the regular season to get those defenders eyes, you know, into the backfield instead of just focusing on blowing the play up. So I'm not ready to call Joe Brady a bust. Um, I'm not ready to say Matt rules on the hot seat just yet. If we, you know, we're let's getting a couple games into the, the regular season. And if these struggles consist and we still suck in the red zone, then Hey, at that point we can make that assessment, but it's week two of the preseason guys. Like, and beside the point, this is Matt Wolf's second year in the NFL. This is Joe Brady's 
second year as a freaking coordinator. Okay, so let's just pump the brakes a little bit on calling for these dudes' jobs. <laughs> like, it's just it's, – I don't know why I'm saying it, this to Panthers Twitter because Panthers Twitter, we all know, is just going to be what Panthers Twitter is. But, you know, just hear me, please. God. <laughs> Oh, I like what you said there. I mean, because the odds of top, Colin Thompson being back there in the regular season are slim to none. I mean, this yeah. is a guy who's trying to just make the roster as a rotational tight ends and, you know, kind of be that emergency guy. Um, but, you know, it makes sense. I mean, I, there's a lot of people there that are frustrated with, with Brady's thing. And, and you know, you got to look at the personnel that was here last year as well. I mean, you, you had to see what's what was limited, you know, with what we had. I mean, it was pretty early on. I mean, pretty obvious early on that that just wasn't ever going to work out. And, you know, we, we cost ourselves a lot of games. But, you know, to kind of play devil's advocate here, though, if you're seeing what those guys can do and you're trying to let these guys fight out, fight it out and, you know, have competition about it, well, then, you know, the coaching staff needs to do the same thing with the kicking position, and we're all in agreement on this. But, uh, you know, Joey Sly missed that 37-yard field goal yesterday on the second drive. And, I mean, it was right between the hashes. It was straight on kick, and he pushed it wide right and had no chance at all of making it. But this is a guy who is now in his, what, third year as our kicker. Um, we let Graham Gano go. We had Harrison Bucker. We tried to put – or we, we released him. Um, these, these are just all things that I, – I don't, I don't get it. Everybody else in the National Football League, their kicker has competition. Uh, I mean, and, and not to bring in anybody from Joey Sly, I mean, it's to the point where – the, the broadcast crew last night was talking about it with uh, Zarzer and, and Steve Smith. I mean, these are things that, that have to be addressed. And, and Matt Rule and Chase Blackburn come out and say, you know, everything they, they want to to support their guy. I mean, they should. But let's just, you know, face facts is that he's going to cost us games. And if you don't bring somebody in now to challenge him and, you know, make him compete day in and day out of practice. I mean, he was kicking, what, every three days during camp? So – I mean, I get, you know, he wants to have a schedule and all, but these are not, those are things that as a fan that I, I'm going to be confident in our special teams. If I, if we're sending Joey Sly out to make a game tying field goal in the fourth quarter, that's only a 45 yarder. I mean, well, I don't we, care, if, you know. We, 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 we score a touchdown late to hopefully tie the game and he misses the fucking extra point. Like, not cool. You know, that's yeah. not, that's not going to be cool. And Chase Blackburn can say that they've, you know, he's made all this progress and this is only his fourth year and he's still figuring out which, you know, which way to adjust to the wind and all this stuff. Yeah, that's fine. And Danny, if this is a developmental player and you're going to keep him on the practice squad and you're not wanting him to go out and try to win games for you when the game's on the line, like if they don't bring in a kicker this week to to challenge him, I'm going to be very disappointed and I'm not going to feel good going into week one, at least when it comes to that position. And I'll echo Sly and and to talk a little more about the red zone stuff. I I agree completely that it's not time to the preseason is not time to freak out over someone's job. Um, last year it was a struggle. The personnel was terrible, but I did want to come into the preseason putting in a, a little bit of emphasis on it and seeing it. And and I love that they're doing it in in, in the team stuff. But um, and I'm not saying they need to to bring out the whole playbook, but I would have liked to like in the red zone uh, in the 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 goal line situation last night, I would have liked to see more than just the four straight runs. I want, I would have liked to see some sort of vanilla um, play call with Sam trying to, to get a throw in the end zone. I want, I want to see more out of the red zone attempts, even in the, the preseason. I just do. 
And that's because the cult, what, what the culture was last year uh, and trying to get that monkey off their back now to go into the season with some, some red zone confidence and, and, and your full arsenal of a playbook. Uh, because I do think they're going to be better down there. I really do, but I want to see the emphasis on it. I think it's, it's, I think if there is one thing that like, it, it, it really frustrates me to see, we'll call it what, what was, what was Cam Irving's money? 8 million. This Six or seven. I thought something like that. I think, total, I think it was a total of 8 and million then, guaranteed. And then Elfwine's what's his money again? Four to five. Four to five. So you've got $13 million on the left side of your line getting blown in five yards into the backfield. That, that is the frustrating thing to me. I'm not frustrated at Joe Brady for calling a run. I'm not frustrated at Matt Rule for if he, you know, said, hey, let's, let's pick this up, let's run, the, let's run this thing in. What I'm frustrated with is, you know, 12 to $13 million on the left side of the line getting made to look like a Pop Warner team. That's what I'm frustrated with. I'm not frustrated with the play call. You, you're a professional offensive lineman. You should be able to pick up a yard. Yep, and we score on that third, the third and goal play if Irving doesn't get blown up into the backfield. And, and But, yeah, Elfine is four and a half. I just looked it up. Right, but the, and these are things that we've talked about. You know, you, we know that that left side is not going to magically improve overnight. Like, you, Irving had a good rep against Campbell where he pushed him, you know, basically to the back of the end zone. But for the most part, it was him getting pushed backwards. And I don't, I don't want to take one good rep over, you know, eight or nine. That's bad, and that's what we're getting. It's just, run supposed to be their thing. Yeah, and, and run blocking supposed to be what they're good at. Run blocking has looked like dog shit so far this preseason. I mean, anything that that Chuba has produced, it's been just him being a playmaker. And yeah, it could look different with CMC. But I said this before we went on. You know how much of CMC being CMC has you know covered up the 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 issues with run blocking. I mean, it's not like this line just has looked you know completely different over the last couple of years. I mean, these pieces have been here for a while, and it's if you can't run, you know, if you can't get him outside on that left side, I mean, you, you lose so much because then they're just going to start overloading the right and force him to the left, and your front four can get pressure and, and blow it up, and that's just the issue. I mean. We know Cam's not going to get better. We know that you know Elfine's not going to be more than serviceable. He's hell. He's probably a, a more of a center than he is a, a left guard. But with preseason, you want to see different rotations and see you know what works best. And it's just not. I I don't know. I, I guess I'm just still still frustrated with the whole left tackle thing. It's been the last. It's been the issue since 2015. Um, at this rate, at this rate, I expect. I, I thought one for sure. I'm expecting both Deontay Brown and Brady Christensen to be starting at some point this season, somewhere. Both. And I know we didn't. I mean, John Miller didn't play last night. Daly got the start at right guard. He allowed the sack on uh, on one of the sacks for Will Greer was due in part to him uh, getting blown up. I I don't know. I'm not trying to keep hammering this over and over because it gets old. But at the same time, it's just like you know, I, I would like to see. A, a different combination of guys out there and, and just seeing how things mode mode. I don't want to get into week one, week two, and, and we open up with Cam Irving being the left tackle and Taylor on the right side. And then here comes week two, week three, and we're just shifting moat into the left side in the middle of a game. And there's no, you know, continuity. There's, there's no, 
you know, there, there's nothing. It's and it's frustrating too for me because I feel like the offensive line is holding us back from an identity that we could have. That I think that with Joe Brady, obviously he's shown like we're we can't run five wide receiver sets with all of our amazing weapons because five offensive linemen can't block. You know what I'm saying? Like we we can't have those empty sets probably as much as Joe Brady wants to because he's got to keep people in to help Cam protect. If you go back and and watch that first series, I'm pretty sure every um, play call in the red zone was uh, a two tight end set. I could be wrong about that, but even some of those, I mean, I mean, it was Darnold and, and Ian Thomas out there. I'm pretty much, I'm sure on every play down there. And it's just to try to get help. And it's like I'm salivating thinking about DJ, Robbie, Terrace, CMC, and, like, you know, David Moore, Shy, just all spread out. Sam back there just with so many places to throw the ball. But we can't because we always have to have an extra protector in. And that's very frustrating. So I'm frustrated with this. If there is one thing that I'm – very very frustrated with it's their just incessant reliance on cam irving at this point and 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 so we started with irving elfline paradis daily moten is that what we start with day one or does does johnny miller take that that right guard spot just because he didn't play at all this week um and if it isn't what we start with week one what do we start with what do you what do you think I mean, Miller's got the right side. Miller's starting at right guard. Moten's on the right tackle. If they don't make the change and, and bench Cam Irving, then you're probably this is probably what you're looking like in, in week one. At least to start, if something happens, they have to make a change, whether it be in the game against the Jets, just because it gets so bad, uh, then so be it. But I think you're probably looking at that that lineup being the starting group on week one. Um, I, I was going to be hopeful that Moten would have moved over to the left tackle this week and we would have seen Brady or even Trent Scott start on the right side, um, but we didn't get that, unfortunately. But I just think with, with the money situation that this is probably what you're looking looking at going into week one. That's exactly what we talked about not wanting to is is tailored to being thrown into it without the reps, without the line being able to, to gel like that because I just don't see us being able to be successful with Irving and Elfline on that left side, neither, neither of them. And Elfline should not be starting. Like right now, Irving, I'm fine with them giving him a chance somewhere. Maybe, maybe even slide Irving into Elfon's spot. Move Taylor over to left tackle if if you're really worried about Irving's money. Uh, and and that's actually the line. Uh, Irving sliding sliding into left guard is is what I thought would end up happening from the jump. But I just I I Irving and Elfine both on the same side terrifies me. I mean, the bright spot is that we haven't given up a sack. I mean, with the starting unit. So, I mean, that's, I mean, really all we have, you know, it, it would have been bad if Sam, but we got sacked last night. PJ didn't get sacked, you know, in the start last week. Um, Greer had two this week, but they were also with uh, the majority of the starters out. So I guess that is one bright spot. But then again, it's, it's different when you're facing, you know, starting DNs and defensive tackles, you know, when, it, when week one rolls around and I'm just having this thought in the back of my head that, here comes somebody around the back and sack Sam when he's not looking and, you know, there's an injury. Well, you know, we're not going to get into it on tonight's episode, but, you know, at least we're supposed to be getting a, a half of the starters this coming week. And we have 
the Pittsburgh Steelers roll into town and what can they do? Rush the passer. So <laughs> whoever the starter is going to be, we're going to find out what they've got this week. Yeah, we uh, we know all too well about the uh, defensive uh, front of the Steelers and how well they rush the passer, unfortunately. Wow. But the, I guess the one bright spot is, is we're facing three pretty tough defenses uh, in the preseason. So we, we should be prepared. And, you know, the four, first four or five weeks of the season is not really tough. We talked about how important it is for us to have a strong start and open up well and, and, and fast. But, um, you know, it should prepare us at least for the first half of the regular season. That's, that's, that's my one takeaway, my, my bright spot about about I, I, preseason. I think, too, what I'm really anxious to see is comparative, like we were talking a little bit earlier, comparative to an old regime with Rivera is Deontay Brown has, I think, shown that he can play. Brady Christensen has definitely shown that he can play. Is this staff going to give the benefit of the doubt to the vets or are they going to roll with their young guys that they've drafted who have shown that they can play? I just hope that, unlike other regimes, we don't stick to those vets to our detriment in favor of a younger guy, like or as opposed to allowing a younger guy to step in and take his rookie lumps early. Uh, I hope that this regime will be able to pull the trigger and not let it get out of hand or take an injury to allow some of these guys to step in. I hope it's a true meritocracy where you earn – your spot and if you're play better and show up better then that's your spot and you don't just have it because you're a vet so would in your mind do you think the best offensive line we could put out there is Moten Deontay Paradis Miller Christensen I think yeah I mean that's I, I like it I'll still take daily at left guard at least for now that's fine and yeah, and and let Brown work his way in some more. That's, but but Deontay has looked impressive. I mean, I'm I, I just I don't know. I mean, do you think that they would potentially move him to left guard when the majority of his snaps have been at right guard? Yeah, I I that's tough. I, and I don't see I don't see him beating out Miller. I really don't. If if they are in, insisting to keep him at right guard, Johnny Miller's good. I, I like Johnny yeah. Miller. Yeah. I, I, I like to. He's earned his spot, and you know he's he's proven he belongs. So uh, that's tough, but uh, I think I'm. Uh, you get creative with it, and they talked about how much they like having versatility on the offensive line. So we'll see how versatile these people can be. I, so it's just it's a, it's a very it's just a crazy situation. It's, it's so going to be the one thing that we're all frustrated with all all season long. I can already feel it. Yeah. I did. It's it's going to bite us in the ass several times. We're going to end up losing one of these games early on that we have no business losing. And I hate to say that, but I just feel like that's where it's at. Maybe that's what they need to for the 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 actual decision to move move it around though. If that does happen, you know. I mean, and there's a lot of cuts coming. I I get this. I mean, not trying to overreact or anything. You you got to monitor the kicking competition and other camps around the league. Uh, a lot of good kickers are going to be cut. I mean, we talked about Tampa. We talked about uh, New York. 
um, you know, there's others. So that's, that's something. Um, and there, there could be some offensive linemen that are let go as well. But we, when you look at you, and I know that we, I texted this to you guys. It's like Amendola, the kid we had in from Oklahoma state during the spring, you know, he goes four for four and hits a 57 yarder and makes all his extra points for the jets. It's like, why did he, why did he just get waived? Like, why couldn't he have been on this roster? I don't, I don't, it's just offensive line and Joey Slaw, man. Like, <laughs> I'm, at, I'm so happy with everything else. But those two are just going to cause me some sleepless nights between now and week one. All right, guys, well, let's wrap this up. Um, we'll be back this upcoming week. We'll look ahead to the Steelers game uh, on Wednesday night. So you guys will probably either have that Wednesday or Thursday, depending on how our schedules go. So we'll be looking forward to the uh, pre- Steelers preseason game on Friday of this week. Weird uh, kickoff game this week. So we'll be back to preview that and look forward to uh, the following week. We'll be back next week. You got, well, shoot, we got the regular season coming up that quick. Ooh, almost here. I know. Can't I'm wait. Actually, Cannot wait. So, yeah. <laughs> Don't take my frustration as I'm like scared. I think we're going to be really good. I think we're going to be much improved. I think we're going to be really fun to watch. I think that I'm just frustrated with these two particular things because I'm thinking it's going to keep it's possibly keeping us from becoming not just a really good team, but like a playoff team. And I think that the ceiling for this team is the playoffs. And I want to see that come to fruition. <laughs> This year, because I'm impatient. So, growth, continued success, and growth. That's that's the main thing. Building, building on this, building a foundation, improving each year. It's been important for Matt Rule. It's important for Dave Tepper. Important for Joe Brady, even though he may get a head coaching job somewhere else next year. We'll see what happens. But, all right, guys. Well, appreciate you guys listening to us. Um, like I said, we'll be back on Wednesday. Look ahead to the Steelers game. But uh, thanks for uh, thanks for listening. Later.